Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Welcome back to Grace-Based Parenting. We are in, I think, I believe our seventh week. And uh, this is in the book, the last lesson. However, next week, we want to come back and just kind of have a... Uh, a semester recap and just get a, get a good uh, session with you guys just to kind of process everything and, and kind of wrap up everything and, and, and say our farewells and send off in a good way. But let me pray and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about today and we'll dive in. Father, thank you so much uh, for who you are and how you love us and how you're a good father. And you teach us to be good parents. And so, Lord, today as we uh, lean into you, I pray that you would continue to further our relationship with you and help us further our relationship with our children. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've, we've kind of done this whole review th- the, this whole semester and kind of this is the the kind of capstone I believe in a, in a very real way about what we've been talking about and I'm excited to dive in today but let me just kind of review where we've been so that we can set the tone for where we're going today uh, if we were to summarize this semester we would say that raising godly children means helping them to build strong character and that's what we've really focused on uh, throughout the semester is is this character, right? That, that we want to help them grow in faith and integrity, poise and discipline, and endurance and courage. And each week, one of the things that Peter and I were very intentional about doing is aligning each of those character traits up with a fruit of the Spirit. Because it is important that we recognize that we're partnering with the Holy Spirit as we see Him develop this character in our children. And so we want to always be prayerful and mindful about, Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying uh, to my child? And how can I partner with you in what you're doing and what you're saying? And so we, throughout the semester, we've, we've talked about how that's really important in the way we show and tell, right? And we even drew that matrix of show and tell. That when all I do is show and not tell, it leaves them wondering. It needs an explanation, right? But when all I do is tell and not show, then I'm a hypocrite, right? But that I need to show and tell them uh, what it is to live with faith, what it is to live with integrity, what it is to live with poise and discipline, and what it is to live with endurance and courage. So um, let me... Just give you guys a moment, and, and here's a couple of things that, that we'd like you to talk about. Um, and I think there's enough for two groups, so I'll jump in with you guys and, and we can talk, unless we all just want to open it up. Um, here's the two things. What is the best thing you've learned in this class so far? And then, what have you put into practice that's made the most impact? So those are the two questions as you break into table time, and then we'll come back and watch the video. Forever, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent, excellent, excellent. We that was great, great conversation, and and I really appreciate that. I think we this class has always had just great conversations, whether that's in individual tables or corporately, and uh, definitely something we want to continue to do. So this week, um, we're we're going to talk about restoring our legacy, and and I know that you guys have read the session, but we're going to watch this video on restoring our legacy, and I'm really really encouraged to uh, look at this because I think this is a pivotal moment as we move forward in our parenting. It's almost like he laid this foundation and then he built upon it and we're almost going back and revisiting the foundation today again. And so I'm really excited to look at that, but let's go ahead and watch this video. All right, all right, all right. Well... That was the last video of this series. Um, we, we want to talk about a few things. I think today was a lot more about starting to look at us uh, than, than implementing these things on our kids because that's really the foundation we're talking about. Like When we start to look at ourselves and our character, uh, then it's easier to transmit that character onto others. Uh, so we have to understand that our past affects our present. Um, and these are some of the things Tim was talking about. Tim said that the way we were raised and treated by key, key people in our past plays a very significant role in our C quotient. A C quotient is what Tim calls our capacity for character. And really what we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And really, I would say that that, that fruit is there. When you place your faith in Jesus, you become full of the Spirit. And that fruit is there. It's just a matter of are we allowing that fruit to be displayed or are we resisting God in these areas um, so how do we uh, if if our past affects our present then how do we recognize how our past is affecting our present um, scripture talks about this word a lot and it uses the word repentance and I think oftentimes we don't necessarily have um, a, a grasp on what that is. And so, if I were to ask you guys to, to, to define repentance, what would you say? Asking forgiveness. Yeah. Excellent. Good, good, good. I, li- I like that you use the word change. Um, somebody look up Mark 115, and, and let's read that when you get there. Mark 115 say? So Matthew, then Mark right before Luke. What does Mark 115 say? He said, um, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Excellent, excellent. So Jesus comes and he says, the time has come, right? And, and the word here for time is, is unique because when you think of time, what do you think of? A clock, right? So tick, 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 tick. Linear time, right? The Greek word for that is chronos, right? Where we get our word chronology, that it is linear time. But the word here for time is kairos. And that means a moment in time. 
And that moment may be instant or it could be a duration, but it is a specific moment in time. And so Jesus is saying, the time has come. This moment in time has come. Um, And then he goes on and he says, the kingdom of God is near. In other words, in this moment, it is easy for us to recognize how the kingdom of God is moving, working, and accessible. Repent and believe the good news. And notice that Jesus doesn't just use the word repent. He always couples it with belief. So, so if I am to repent, repent literally means to change my mind. You said to change, which is really good. And I go to the doctor and he says, Adam, you've got high blood pressure and you need to stop drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. And so I go, I'm going to repent of coffee, right? And I wake up. I know that's a big deal. I wake up in the morning and I am tired and thirsty. What am I going to do? Drink coffee. Now, what happens if I couple repentance with belief? Go to the doctor. He says, you got to stop drinking coffee. I repent of coffee and I believe in water. What happens in the morning when I wake up tired and thirsty? I grab water. This is with that? And I'm trying to. Right? So this is really, really important. So I want to draw, because I'm, I'm, I'm an illustrator, right? I can't draw well, but I like to draw these shapes because I think they're really good for us as we learn. Uh, let me make sure that that's holding so I can do this. All right. So we're talking about repentance and belief. All right, not a great circle, but we'll do. So this is our kairos, right? This is our moment in time. And this is the chronos, the linear time. Okay? And Jesus says, repent, which is the Greek word metanoia which means to change one's mind. And the thing about repentance, the thing about belief, is it's not this uh, instant thing. It's a process, right? And the process of repentance is to observe initially. Right? So let me give you two other scenarios. One, uh, I'm driving down the road. I'm a little late for work. I'm texting. I am not paying attention. And I ram into the back of someone. Immediately I'm incensed. I get out of the car, infuriated. I say a few choice words to this person. I throw them my insurance information. I grab their insurance information. I copy the information. I grab mine back. I get in my car and I go. Kairos. Okay? That's one situation. The other situation, I go to the doctor. Haven't been feeling well. Don't know what's going on. Doctor does some tests. Calls me into his office. He says, Adam, you've got cancer. Kairos. Two different situations, right? First and foremost, I need to observe, right? Observing 
is asking the interrogative questions, right? Who, what, when, where, why, how, right? The five W's in how. Make sense? Who was in the accident? Who was at the doctor's office? What happened? Where was I? You know, who, what, when, where, why, how, right? So in the, in, and so in the car accident, I might be asking like, why was I so angry? Why did I act out of character? Why was I late? Why was I texting while driving, right? Why did I treat someone the way I did? How did I let myself get to that point, right? So I'm asking all these questions and observing what's going on. Same thing with the doctor's office. Like, am I going to be able to work? How, deliber- how debilitating will this be? Will this end in my finality? Will I recover? How long is the recovery time? Like, all these questions we're going to have. Observe them, right? And then we reflect. And in my reflection, it is really important to understand two things. Am I a thinker or am I a feeler? If I was to ask you guys, how many thinkers do we have? By show of hands, keep them up. Okay? A few of you. And then how many feelers? Okay? These are really important questions. To the thinker... You ask the question, thinker, you ask the question, what are you feeling? To the feeler, right, you ask the question, what are you thinking? Okay. Now, oftentimes when I do this, I will ask the thinker, what are you feeling? And they will respond, well, I think that, and I'll say, whoa, 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 time out. I didn't ask what you were thinking. I asked what you were feeling. Conversely, I'll ask the feeler, what are you thinking? And they will respond with, I feel like, and I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask what you were feeling. I asked what you were thinking. Why are we doing this? Because it will engage them in a deeper level that isn't natural. And so it will cause them to think deeper and to engage what is going on in a deeper way. Okay? So after we've observed and reflected, then we discuss. And this is really important. Because here is where we ask the question. Let me move this out of the way. Here's where we ask the question, God... What are you saying? And this is really important. Okay? But repentance isn't enough. Okay? That Jesus says repent and believe the good news. So we believe. And believe is the Greek word pistis which means faith trust confidence 
Okay? So, again, this isn't an immediate thing. This is a process thing. So we've observed, we've reflected, we've discussed. That's bothering me. It looks like an eye. <laughs> and then there are three other things we need to do. Observe, reflect, discuss, plan. And with the plan, we are asking the question, what am I going to do? about what God is saying. And then we need to account. We need accountability. Right? And this means to invite people in that we trust into the conversation, right? Hey, this is what happened. I got in a car accident. Hey, this is what happened. I went to the doctor's office today. And, and we start to process with them to the point where we're asking and praying about this question. God, what are you saying? And then when this appears, we know what God is saying. Then we go, hey, I, I need to call this guy. And, uh, and apologize because of my behavior and the way I treated him when we were in that accident. Hey, you know what? I need to endure uh, the chemotherapy and continue to rest in Jesus and, and trust him. Right? So one is very, very intentional about, okay, if I need to apologize to this guy, how long do you need to do that? Well, I need a moment, so maybe give me a week. Okay, great. I have accountability, I can act on that plan because faith without works is dead, right? So there needs to be an action to this plan. So, um, but the other, it's like, okay, when are you going to start chemotherapy? And then, and then those people walk with you in this. And the reason we're talking about this today is because when Tim said that um, our past kind of uh, affects our present and that the way we were raised and treated by key people in our past plays a very significant role in our sea quotient. Uh, oftentimes, until we enter into a process like this, we may not even be aware of how my dad treated me growing up as, is affecting me now, how uh, my first boss treated me or how my first relationship treated me or, or, or maybe I had a mentoring relationship that was very important or an older sibling, uh, what they said, what they did, um, how that has affected me. And so until I enter into a process like this, uh, it may be really, really difficult to even be aware and grow and heal from these things, which then gives us, as we heal from these things, a greater sequence, a greater capacity for character. And I truly believe that until we come to look at our past and the things we believed, because here's the thing, is that oftentimes our past, those situations have told us things that we believe that aren't true about us. And so when Jesus says, couple repentance with belief, what he's saying is, Stop believing the lies and start believing the truth. And the way in which I believe the truth is to be aware of the lies that I'm believing 
and to be aware of the truth that Jesus says directly about the lies in my life, right? That's why repenting, if repentance is, oh, sorry, God, and belief is, well, I believe in you, Jesus, that's, that's not going to do much. But if repentance is, Father, here you go, these are the things I don't want to do, and I'm recognizing them, and I surrender them to you, and I believe that when I feel like I'm useless, that that's a lie. But the truth of your word says that, that, there, that I've been created for good works before the foundation of the earth, that you'll never leave me or forsake me, right? That there, that there is a purpose for my life. So when I believe that, then I have a choice. Am I going to believe the lie or am I going to believe the truth? And those are going to be identifying and shaping and forming truths that shape us and form us in our life. Um, and I, I truly believe that until we start to recognize the lies that we believed and deny them, surrender them to the Lord, and believe what He says about us, we may not be able to live in the freedom. We won't be able to live in the freedom that God has offered us. Um, so, Peter, I give you the floor, and then we will wrap up in a moment. As you take a look at um, putting all of this material together and we're talking about what does it really mean to change, uh, one of the things that I want to encourage you to think about is how are you going to be a model for your own children about this change? Um, Our children will pay more close attention to what we do than what we say. So we can bring them to church, they can be involved in small groups, they can come here and really enjoy the fellowship. But our home is really the laboratory of life and faith, where they get to see how these things operate. So in as much as you need to apologize to your children from time to time, uh, mine was over-disciplining. So I would get going, and then I would get frustrated, and then I would say something or provide a consequence that when I got going I thought that's just too much for that particular offense and so I would pull my kids aside and um, I would sit down with them and I would tell them I have given you too much discipline You, you do need something to help you there's this threshold of obedience that is out there and if you give children too little consequences then they're just going to walk all over it if you give them too much then you crush their spirit So there's kind of just the right amount. And sometimes um, you give too little and they get in trouble again, and so you have to kind of work on that with them. But on the other hand, if I gave too much and I felt like it was too crushing, I would sit down with them and I would say, I gave you too much, and I want to pull some of that back. Um, And I want to do this instead. And I would tell them, you know, it was like three things I wanted them to do, I would only have them do one. Or sometimes I would rework all of that. And... And I'd look at them and say, I just want to apologize that I gave you too much. But I want your permission to take away the too much that I gave you and give you what I think is more appropriate. But if you want to have too much, I'll still do that for you. And they all smiled like what you're doing right now. And they look at me and go, no, 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 we want to take some of this off. And then I would say to them, if you do this again, please don't, don't think that this is me feeling sorry or saying this is unimportant. I just think 
that for what happened, you can learn how to behave with fewer consequences. But if you do this again, I will give you more. Because what you're telling me is, Daddy, please give me more. Daddy, please give me more. That didn't work. I need more to help me to do better. Um, that worked out really well. And, and what I would do with this is I used my Christian friends over here. Scott Boudreaux is one of those. Other people in the church, some of the elders are kind of my support group. I had some colleagues, and I would talk to them about what was going on and what I was working on. And then I would come back here, and I would just ask myself, how, how are things going? And what I taught my children, I think, number one, was you're going to have to make some mid-course corrections. And that's okay. This is where you learn about grace for yourself. And then you teach your children what happened, what do you think about what happened, what does God's word say about what happened. And I can say, this is what I saw, this is what I thought about it, but God wants me to give you the right amount, and I think I gave you too much. And so as, going, as you go through this, and you're, you're just kind of talking about describing it, and they see the value of it, you'll begin to see that they will pick up on, on what you're saying and doing. So I would often tell my children, on, on this whole idea of repentance, um, I felt like they needed to learn how to repent on a regular basis, even if it was just in their own mind. And so I would send them out to observe some of their peers and what was happening at school. And I would have them reflect on what was actually going on. I remember telling Audrey about dating when she was in seventh grade, or six, sixth and seventh grade. And I commented to her that the girls that really wanted to date probably did not have good male figures in their life, and they were looking for security. But the problem was is that somebody their age or a little bit older was not mature enough to give them the kind of security that they were looking for, which was safety and calmness and confidence and feeling like the world is going to be an okay place. I said, so they were confusing uh, what their need was with the thought that if they had a boyfriend, that would automatically give that to them. So I want you to go and observe that. This is why I don't want you dating when you're in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, is because the people that you would be dating are not really ready to be in that relationship yet. So you can go out, you can hang out with a group. I just don't want you to have a boyfriend. She came back, and I, I would ask her, are you noticing anything? What are you, what are you observing? about that. And I'm, I'm saying to her, this just sort of happens, and I just want you to be aware, because if you have one of your girlfriends that starts to date, I just want you to be supportive of her to be in a healthy relationship, because something could happen that could hurt her or hurt her feelings with expectations. And then I would ask her, what did she think and what did she feel? And then what is God's role in helping us have a healthy relationship? What are the boundaries of a healthy relationship? How do you touch each other? How do you talk to each other? How do you interact with each other? And so this became a natural way for me to have her continue to lean into Scripture and turn away from what the world was teaching her, what her peer group was saying to her. And then over here for me, what I did is I taught her when she was older and all of my my boys that their friends, their healthy friends, were part of their accountability. They were to hang out with them at parties. They were to talk about what they should do if there was drinking at a place. Uh, How do you get home if you're in a place where you're not really sure that the person that you're driving with can drive safely? So we made some rules. Like you could call me and I will drop what I'm doing and I will pick you up immediately. No questions ask because I know that within a matter of minutes, hours, or a couple of days, they will cough up the whole thing. 
They'll just give it to me. And it's like, thank you so much for calling me. I am always here for you. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing okay. Great. Well, let me just give you some time to defrag. If there's anything that you ever want to talk about, let me know. And I always tuck them in bed at night. So, well, tell me about your day. Tell me about what's going on. Is there anybody that you're concerned about? I mean, we just had this routine. And it was just this opportunity to just work on this over and over and over again. And they just began to absorb the values. When Audrey graduated, I think I've told you this before, and I asked her what she thought about living in our house. And she said, I really liked it that you didn't make us do anything that you weren't doing. We just all did the same thing. And then I said, do you think that we had a bunch of rules? And she said, no, we didn't have any rules at all. And on the inside, I'm like doing the happy dance. (laughs) Because what I was able to do was establish a culture where the rules were internalized. There are rules, right? There always are rules. A healthy relationship has rules. But between people who love each other, they internalize those rules. And it doesn't seem like rules. This is the internalization of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is God coming into us. And you just sort of become this person, um, and you don't think of it as rules. It's just the way that we do things. This was the approach that I used for that. All the way from 5, 6, 7, and 8 on a simple area level through the teenage years into helping them to accomplish this. So what Scooty has shown you here I think is really, really important for us to just be thoughtful about and we just give it to you as a way for you to begin thinking through how does this work. We're going to meet one more time uh, next week and uh, all we're going to do is talk. So we can review some of this and talk about some other things also um, as we just kind of wrap up what we're doing and set our sights on where we're going to go from here. So let me close with a word of prayer and let you guys go. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to grow. Um, We can develop our own friendships with each other so that we can be on this left side of this diagram where we're um, acting and we have accountability and um, we have our plan. And so we ask, Lord, that this would be an opportunity for us to just really lean into the joy of having people who journey with us, who we can just talk to and think these things through. Uh, Parenting is not an exact science. It is a, a relationship of love and commitment and honor and grace. Is a relationship that has discipline and focus and boundaries. Um, And it's something that we have to hold in our hands, not so tightly that somebody is suffocated and not so loosely that somebody falls apart. And so we ask, Lord, that you will bless us as parents with the wisdom that we need in order to work within kind of the sweet spot of our sons and daughters. Uh, We know that that sweet spot moves on some level, but we know that they respond to kindness. They respond to conversation even when they don't show it. They respond to being loved. And as Tim talked about today, they respond to being annoyed because we will annoy the people that we love by helping them think through issues that they don't really want to address. So keep working on us to help us figure out how that fits in the right blend uh, throughout each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.